Folks, I've entitled our message uh, today, When Your Doubts Are Real. When Your Doubts Are Real. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I know we don't like to say this out loud because it's church. Uh, because when you're in church, you know, everybody's, we want you to believe in Christ. We want you to uh, have faith in him. We want you to trust him for your salvation. But the fact of the matter is, and then the whole concept of doubt, that just seems so opposite of what we're promoting here in church and wanting you to have for your spiritual life, that we don't talk about doubts. And especially we can't, we feel like we can't share our doubts. Like, have you ever been to a Bible study and had somebody say, well, how's your week been? Well, to be honest with you, I'm wrestling if Jesus, really or not, if Jesus really died for me. You never heard that in a Bible study. Because nobody would ever dare say that. Or I'm wrestling with whether or not God even cares for me. I asked him to do this, and he didn't do that. He didn't heal my loved one. He didn't help me out of this situation. Things didn't turn out the way that I wanted them to turn out. And I'm just wrestling with whether or not God's even there. You would never hear that expressed out loud. Hey, let's have a testimony time. Testify to the Lord. What do you say? I'm really wrestling with whether or not he even exists. We would never breathe that out loud. But, but, the doubts are there, aren't they? You carry them silently. You wrestle with them. Can't talk about them out loud because maybe there's something wrong with you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Did I'm getting blank stares. Are people resonating with me today? Not, not your head. Yeah, I understand what you're talking about, George. Okay? That's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to talk about today because something interesting, we're going to take a break from our first Samuel study. And okay, we're, we're going to progress along with that starting next week again. We're going to be right next to where they choose a king. But something happened this week with me that caused me to really think about this. In fact, I thought about this for four days. Four days. And what it was is that a, a friend of mine gave me a portion of scripture. We were talking about something, and he gave me a portion of scripture for me to consider. And, and when I read it, like all things you read, you're like, oh, you read it through one time. But then when you read it a second and a third time, then things start popping into your mind. And so the first passage is that we're going to look at today is Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And when I read this, reading it and understanding what it's saying here is when the doubts will pop up. And then what I want to do is, is I want to go to Psalm 37, to answer the doubts for you and for me. Okay, do you hear what we're going to do today? Okay, this is different, different kind of message, but it's addressing something where we're all at. Okay, so the first one, we're going to look at a passage that I almost guarantee you is going to provoke, are you listening to me? I want it to provoke some thoughts and some feelings. Because that's what it did with me. And then it's like, okay, God, what do we do with this now? Well, then we're going to let God take us to Psalm 37. 
So let's talk about the passage, first of all. So I want you to look at me at Habakkuk chapter 3. Listen to this Old Testament prophet. Look with me at verse 17. Listen to what he says. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though flocks may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will have joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He makes my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on high hills. I'm going to read it again. Like, what, what, what's going on here? I want you to, I'm going to read it again. All right, let it sink in. All right, let me read it again. Let me set it stage for you. Remember now, Israel is primarily a what? An agrarian culture. The way they make their living is by what? Taking care of their inheritance, that plot of land. So they're farmers. When you're a farmer, what do you rely on, folks? Crops, your herds, your flocks. So think about that. Let me read it now again to you. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. Now, are you getting what he's saying here? Here's a guy who's saying that he's got total failure on the land. The crops aren't producing. The flocks that he relies upon are having problems. The herds, what herds? His stalls are empty. Life's not going well, is it? And guess what he does? He praises God. Now, that's where I want you to think for a moment and let it draw some thoughts in your mind because this is where it's provoking. This is not just something that the psalmist is writing just for himself and for a few farmers there in Israel. This is actually something he's writing, the prophet is writing here for you and I right now. When you go through life and, and your stalls are empty and, and the crops that you're producing aren't producing and all the efforts of your work aren't bringing about anything, is it normal for you to immediately go in the face of defeat, in the face of everything else that's going on in your life, and say, I find my joy in God 
I praise him. If we're honest with ourselves, we would say, no, that's the last thing on our mind. If anything, I'm complaining. If anything, I'm like, God, what are you doing to me? So I want to give you three thoughts here because this is really, first of all, the struggle. What this passage is revealing to us, and, and I was thinking about this this week as I was given this passage, what this passage reveals in us is the struggle that beneath the surface struggle that we have as God's children, and we face the things that we face. So let me give you three thoughts here, okay? So first of all, difficulties and discouragement become the catalyst for doubt. Difficulties, difficulties and discouragement become the catalyst for doubt. Think about that for a moment. Think about the times when you're wrestling and doubting whether or not God is going to be there for you, whether or not he is good towards you. Think about whether or not God even exists. Usually when you look at those times when you're facing doubt, it's almost always connected with what? Some kind of difficulty in your life, some kind of discouragement, some kind of defeat. Almost always. Because I can look back in my life and I can think back to, you know, I've been a believer now, 34 years, and I can think back to many times when I've had periods of doubt and struggle in my life. Almost always with every one of the instances, it was because of something that I expected him to do that he didn't do. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so when you read a passage like this, where it starts off, right off the bat, talking about when everything is gloomy and doomy, I'm going to praise you. And you're looking at that and you're saying, well, wait a minute, when everything's gloomy and doomy in my life, <laughs> I'm questioning, not praising. Did you understand? I'm questioning, not praising. So the first thing I want you to see about the struggle we have is that difficulties and discouragement become the catalyst for the doubt. Now, here's, here's what I want you to see next because this comes out of this whole issue of praising God. The second thing I want you to see is, is praising God in the midst of our discouragement seems unrealistic. Praising God in the midst of our difficulty, seems unrealistic. And, you know, I thought about that for a moment. I thought about, you know, I've been a pastor now over 20 years, and I thought about being in church, and I think about when I first got saved, and I went to this little bitty independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina, and then I went to church when I went off to study for for the ministry, and, you know, and and being in churches here and there and everything, and, 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 and I hear all the time about, Count your blessings, remember that hymn? Count your blessings, name them one by one. You know, I'm not a singer, of course, right? Okay. But you remember those songs, you know, count your blessings, see what God has done, you know, and they tell you when you're in the midst of it, count your blessings, thank God. You And you remember that. You've heard preachers tell you, you know, when you're in the midst of what you're going through, praise God and lift your spirits and whatever. And you're, and you're like, oh yeah, that's wonderful. That sounds great when everything's going great. But if you're in the midst of the problem, 
When you're in the midst of the difficulty and you're in the midst of the struggle, let me just tell you right now, the last thing you want to do is praise God. Am I right in saying that? The last thing you want to do is say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for this problem I'm going through. That's part of the struggle. God, what you're asking me to do here, you're, you're, I mean, what this, what this prophet is doing here in this passage, talking about the gloom and the doom, and then he's going to praise you and find his joy in you, that, to the Lord, to me right now, in the midst of all this discouragement and disappointment, that just seems so unrealistic. And so guess what? We put on fake smiles when we come to church. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? How's your week? Super! That word covers a lot of pain, doesn't it? That's a struggle. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is, Let's just acknowledge it. Let's, 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 let's just acknowledge because that's where most of us are at. And actually, I think that's true spirituality. Not fake spirituality. Fake spirituality is everything's wonderful, everything's great. Praise God. No. In fact... You're probably saying, well, I don't know if I'm comfortable with what you're saying, George. Well, then you're not comfortable with the Bible. Why? Like, read the book of Job. Read the book of Job, who feels what? Abandoned by God. Read the book of Jeremiah. When you read the book of Jeremiah and the prophet and all that he goes through because God called him to be a prophet, he's being what? Thrown into a pit. Up to, his, up to his waist in muck. He's being threatened and everything. And at one point in the text of Jeremiah, he says to God, God, you deceived me. Well, did I just read that? Yes, he did say that. Why? Because it didn't turn out the way he thought it would turn out. That's the prophet saying that. So the concept of the struggle we have is, okay, I've got these doubts that arise out of my difficulties, my disappointment. Praising God in the midst of that just seems so unrealistic. Here's my final thought I want you to give when we look at this issue of the struggle. Is the thought of doing so raises questions concerning God's goodness towards you. The thoughts of doing so raises questions concerning God's goodness towards you. Because that's the natural thing, the natural progression. You are, you got the disappointment and the discouragement. You got these doubts, but you you know you're holding on to them silently, and then you come to church and and, and you're told to praise him in the midst of what you're going through, count your blessings, and, and it's like, oh that's so unrealistic, and then that thought just wells up within you. Are you kidding me? 
God, you're not even good to me. How can I say what this guy's saying here? How can I do this? And you question God's goodness. That's the pattern. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, you and I experience that pattern over and over again, don't we? Are you even being, is this even normal? But yet, there's a part of you in the midst of all those doubts and that struggle, there's a part of you, listen to me, there's a part of you that says, but there has to be something more. There has to be something more. That part's called faith, which he gives you. And there's something within you that even in the midst of the disappointment, even in the midst of not being able to praise him as he's calling you to praise him, that even in the midst of questioning his goodness to you, there's something still within you that cries out and says, there's got to be something more, Lord, with you. There's got to be something more. So that's where we come to Psalm 37. That's where we come to Psalm 37 because that's where we're going to regain perspective. Because when you're in the midst of the doubts and you're in the midst of the disappointment and you're in the midst of questioning God's goodness and you know there's something within you that's saying there's got to be something more, you've got to regain perspective, right? You've got to get back to right thinking because your thinking has become wrong thinking and it's discouraging you. It's leading you to question things. And you're like, how do I get back? How do I get back? Psalm 37. So notice with me. Let's turn there. Psalm 37. We're just going to look at the first eight verses. I'm going to read them to you. If you're using a pew Bible, that's page 298. Psalm 37. I want you to listen to what David said. Now listen, let me just stop for a moment. Think about who's writing it. This is David. Could does he have a reason to question God's goodness at certain points? Remember, anointed to be king? It's like years before he becomes king. He's chased for his life by King Saul. Listen to what he writes. Verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger 
and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Wow. I'm going to give you five things from this about regaining perspective. Because here's the thing, folks. I'm going to be honest with you. I need you to listen to me. You might be saying here, well, I'm not doubting right now. You just wait. You just wait. If you're living life today, until you go to be with Jesus, you're going to doubt at some point because you're going to wonder, does he care? Is he watching over me? Because I'm looking at all this that's going on around me and nothing's going the way I want it to go. And you're going to question. You're going to doubt. And you're like, how do I regain perspective? Because even in the midst of the doubting and even in the midst of not wanting to praise him, there's something within you that says there's got to be something more. How do I regain perspective? I want you to listen to these five things from this passage. Listen to me. Here's the first one. Don't allow your emotions to control you. Don't allow your emotions to control you. Do I need to say it a third time? Here it is again. Don't allow your emotions to control you. I'm going to tell you right now, one of the biggest contributors to the problem of doubt in your life when it wrecks havoc in your life is because of your emotions. Because your emotions are raw. Your emotions are hurting. Your emotions are traumatized because of whatever it is that you're going through right now. And, and it's like that just feeds into the doubt and the disappointment. But I want you to listen. Let me go through this. I'm going to say, show you a couple things here because this is where, how I can say this. Listen to what he's saying here. He says it, first of all, three times in these eight verses. Don't fret. You know what fretting is, right? Oh, 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 don't fret. My wife's down here. She sees that when I when something happens, and she sees it. Now I'm illustrating it to you. She's she's seen me fretting. Okay, don't fret. Here's the other one. Trust. Cease from anger. Rest. These are words that are in this passage. Forsake wrath. All of those are emotions. All of those are things that you do to what? Control your emotions. So the first thing, if I'm going to do, that I'm going to see out of this passage that's going to tell me that when I am disappointed and discouraged and, and the emotions are running high, I've got to what? I've got to get control of them. I've got to get control of them. I've got to take a deep breath. That's what Psalm 37, if you read it several times, I'll be honest with you, prayerfully read it because it helps you to what? Take a deep breath. Because what are we worried about? We're worried about stuff not going right. We're worried about what some guy did to us. We're worried about how he seems to be doing okay and you're the one suffering. And you've done the same effort as him, but he's the one who's prospering. You're not. And we're worried and we're fretting and we're angry, right? We're angry. Get control of your emotions. Here's the second one. Stop comparing yourself to others. Stop comparing. But that especially happens in church. 
Stop looking at somebody else in church. Oh, you know, well, their life is so perfect and their family is so perfect. My family, I'm just putting my head out about my family. Isn't that what we do? But they're like, oh, if I, my kids were like them. You don't know what it's like in their house. And perfect kids aren't perfect. And are you really sure you want to compare yourself? Because I almost guarantee you what they're doing. They're doing the same thing. Look at them. I wish my kids were like them. They just would never say that out loud, would they? Don't compare yourself. Don't compare yourself to the guy who's an unbeliever, who's not following Jesus, and it seems like everything he touches turns to gold. Don't compare yourself. Quit comparing yourself. In fact, isn't that what he's doing here in Psalm 37? He's saying, don't fret about the evildoer. Don't fret about the guy whose wicked schemes come to pass. Don't worry about him. Quit comparing yourself. Isn't that what we do? We, we, we look at the blessing of God being poured out on somebody else or some other family, and then we look at ourselves and say, God, you must not be good to me because I'm not experiencing that in my life right now. Quit comparing yourself. Quit comparing yourself. Here's the third thing. Let go of the anger, especially towards God. Let go of the anger, especially towards God. you got to let go. Now, we would never say out loud, ever, that we're angry with God. We would never say that out loud because that's not what you're supposed to say. But deep inside, it's there. You're upset because God allowed something to happen. You're upset because God didn't do something. You're upset because you thought God promised you something and it didn't take place. You're upset because of this and because of that and the only person that you can blame it on is because it's God, because God controls everything and God's supposed to be your savior and he said he would provide for you and take care of you and watch over you and God said this and God said that but he hasn't been doing that in your life and so you're mad and you're upset and you're all worked up and maybe you're lashing out at others around you because it's easier to lash out at them than it is to lash out at God. But the fact of the matter is, is you're mad at God. He says here, right off the bat, verse 8, cease from anger, forsake wrath. Notice what he says, don't fret, it only causes harm. Let go of the anger. Let go of it. How do I let go of it? You go to him and you say to him, I'm mad at you. And here's why. See, the problem with the anger, that's when it's bottled up and we're not saying anything about it, that's when it causes the problems. But it's okay to go to him. Remember I told you about Jeremiah. Lord, you deceived me. You deceived me, God. You tricked me, is what the prophet says. It's okay to go to him and say, God, I'm frustrated because I thought you were going to do this, and this 
didn't do it. Lord, when you called me to this, I thought this would happen. And guess what? You're mad because it didn't. So you go talk to him. Stop being angry. Stop. Go to him and express that. Here's the next one. Over and over in this passage, this comes out. Trust God and recommit yourself to him. If you're going to regain perspective, you've got to do this. You've got to trust God. You've got to get back to the place where you say to him, Lord, Lord, even though right now I'm frustrated, even though I don't understand what you're doing, Lord, Lord, even though I am disappointed and I am hurt, I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to trust you with my family. I'm going to trust you with this situation. And, and, and Lord, I'm not going to hang on promises, but I'm just going to hang on to you that I know you're going to guide me through this. But here I am, Lord, I'm recommitting myself to you. That's what you got to do. You gotta trust him. You gotta trust him. Trust him that he knows better. Do you know what I'm saying? Trust him. And then finally, the fifth thing that comes out of this passage is this. Wait patiently for the Lord to fulfill his plan for you. Wait patiently. That's the problem, isn't it? It's that one word, patience. We don't have any. But see, God doesn't operate on our timetables, folks. Wait patiently for him because he does have something for you. Now, listen, when he says he has something for you, if you notice, he doesn't tell you all the time what it is that he has for you. Okay, he doesn't tell you what it is. But then also notice now, here, here's the other thing that's interesting to me. He doesn't tell you how long it'll take you to get there either. And what the road will be like. Okay, so like, you know what? We, we went to Foster's graduation here on uh, Friday and Saturday. And uh, we're uh, trucking down the road between here and PA and all the way out there to Ohio and uh, you know what? I knew that I had to go from Kerwinsville to Cedarville, and I know what roads to take. I got to go through Akron and down through Columbus and everything. Sam smiling because that's where Sue is this weekend. And and uh, well, and and I'll be honest with you, it, it looks great on a map, right? Looks great on a map. You look at a map, you're like, wow, okay, I can think I can do that. Five and a half hours, I can do that. And there's even a sheets when you cross the border, so we're okay at least for the first sheets across the border, right? Okay. But nobody told you about the stinking roads in Ohio. Remember you used to complain about roads in PA? The roads are better here than over there. And the big potholes that are ready to tear your vehicle. Nobody told you that the journey was going to be three lanes down to one. Nobody told you that. Nobody told you about the blinding rain. Nobody told you that the restaurant people there aren't nice as they are here in PA. Nobody told you that, right? But that's all part of what, folks? The journey. 
You just know that you were told to what? Be at graduation. Isn't that the same thing true? That's true in our life. God calls us to something, but he doesn't tell you what the road conditions are. And we get discouraged when we have a flat. Right? You've got to wait patiently for the Lord to fulfill his plans for you. So what are we, what are we, what are we getting to here? What, what's, what, where's this going here, George? Well, okay, let me just go ahead and just kind of wrap it up. I'm going to give you two thoughts here in a moment. But I just want to say this. If you are truly a follower of Jesus, there is no guarantees that everything is going to be okay in your life. I don't care what some guy told you on the TV. It has nothing to do with your level of faith. It has nothing to do with any of that. I'm just going to tell you right now, you just have Jesus. And he's going to be with you along the way. Will there be disappointments? Yes. Will you struggle with doubts? Yes. But you've got to rest in somebody. You've got to not allow your emotions to take control when you face whatever you're facing. You've got to stop being angry. And you've got to rest in him. And he'll carry you through it. The doubts are natural. Your first doubt that you got through won't be your last. You say, I don't know if I agree with that, George. Well, read the Gospels. Isn't it interesting? Just even in the passage where it talks about Jesus ascending, it's very interesting to me that the 12 disciples who are looking at and touching and feeling the resurrected Jesus, the very same passage says to you, and some of them didn't know whether or not they could believe. Isn't that interesting? So what do you do? You hang on. So here's my two thoughts I want to wrap up with. Number one, acknowledge, acknowledge that you struggle with doubts. It starts there. Acknowledge it. I'll acknowledge it. Folks, I struggle sometimes with doubts. Doubt, but here's my struggle. My doubts are not in the existence of Jesus or the existence of the Bible being true. I believe all that. What, 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 what do you struggle with, George? I struggle with questioning the goodness of God sometimes. When you see the things that are happening and what's going on in people's lives and so forth, and, and you get, see the disappointments and the discouragements, it, it's real easy sometimes to question, God, are, are, are you, did you say you were going to be good to me? Because I don't feel that way right now. I don't feel like you're doing that. I, I'm, I'll admit that to you. Are you willing to admit it? You've got to acknowledge your struggles with doubt. And then here's the second thing. Walk through your frustrations with the Lord. Walk through your frustrations with the Lord. 
Go to him and be honest with him. Don't act like everything's... Ever, ever been with somebody and, and, and you know there's a problem between the two of you and they just act like nothing's going on and they're like being fake about it and, and they're not being real about it and they're like, oh, well, life's okay. No. And, and you're like, you know there's a problem and it's like there's like an ugly elephant in the room and nobody's acknowledging it. Well, acknowledge the elephant in the room with God. Because, by the way, he sees it. He knows it. So you work through your frustrations with him. Folks, we have a whole book in the Bible called the Psalms. Where what? Folks work through their frustrations with God. And that's what I would encourage for you. Let me pray for you.